I want to welcome you to Chapelwood United Methodist Church. My name is Peter Camerano, one of the pastors here. I want to welcome you as we gather together uh, for worship this morning, as we seek God's face and uh, perform acts of unity and compassion in a very diverse world, uh, a world that at times uh, feels threatening and difficult and even dangerous. Uh, so as we gather together for worship today uh, to kind of find peace in the midst of God, we are reminded uh, that though the world is very diverse, we serve one God uh, and we have one call in our lives uh, to love God and to serve our neighbors. I want to invite you to stand and greet each other this morning, uh, uh, welcome each other into God's house. Please join me in the prayer for elimination. Let us pray. Chapters 10, verses 20, 25 through 37. A legal expert stood up to test Jesus' teacher. He said, what my, must I do to gain eternal life? Jesus replied, what is written in the law? How do you interpret it? He responded, you must love, you must love the, the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, and with all, with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But the legal expert wanted to prove he was right. So he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He encountered thieves who stripped him naked, beat him up, and left him near death. Now it just so happened that a priest was going down the same road. When he saw the injured man, he crossed over to the other side of the road and went on his way. Likewise, a Levite came by that spot, saw the injured man, and crossed over to the other side of the road and went on his way. <coughs> a Samaritan who was on a journey came to where the man was, but when he saw him, he was moved with compassion. The Samaritan went to him and bandaged his wounds, tending them with oil and wine. Then he placed the wounded man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took two full days' worth wages and gave them to the innkeeper. He said, take care of him, and when I return, I will pay you back for any additional costs. What do you think? Which one of these three was a neighbor to the man who encountered thieves? The legal expert said, the one who demonstrated mercy towards him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. God, for the people of God. Wonderful. Didn't the ladies do a great job uh, reading scripture? So um, we continue our conversation about acts of faith in a diverse world. Acts of faith in a diverse world. I wonder, do you have any guidelines for healthy eating? Guidelines for healthy eating. Um, is it that you count carbs? Maybe you count calories. Uh, maybe you count the number of Diet Cokes you can consume before noon. 
right? Healthy diet, right? Um, Some diets say if you just eat greens, right? Some diets say if you um, don't eat any carbs. Now, I remember when I was a kid, it was the four basic food groups, right? They had the nice little, you know, and, they, and you had to eat a certain amount of each one, right? And, and if you had the four basic food groups, it, it led to healthy living, right? Uh, these days, there's something about the plate, and then they divide the plate like a pie chart. Um, but I wonder if we take that learning that there are certain things that make up a healthy diet, Uh, for our bodies, what if we also begin thinking that there are a certain set of actions? There's a a certain um, uh, thing, a combination of things that make up healthy discipleship, okay? Um, I tend to think that uh, each denomination uh, excels at certain parts of the healthy discipleship, right? I think our Catholic brothers and sisters do a really great job of worship, right? There, There should a healthy dose of worship uh, in your diet of discipleship. Uh, I I tend to think that our Baptist brothers and sisters do a great job of encouraging individual, silent uh, devotion and scripture reading, right? Um, And uh, maybe um, it is uh, some of our Unitarian or uh, um, Disciples of Christ uh, denominations that do a great job of acting on behalf of others in terms of justice, right? When there's something wrong, then they're a cause that they'll step up to. But part of our healthy diet, these acts of faith in a diverse world, is being the kind of people who can offer compassion to others. Last week, we looked at acts of unity in a diverse world. We talked about how diverse the world was, how there was a hardening of the categories, that the right kept on getting further to the right, the left kept on getting further to the left, and there was nobody left in the middle, and there was no place for agreement. And so how do you find unity in a diverse world? We looked at the scripture passage about the Tower of Babel and how when people decided that they were going to do something and make a name for themselves out of pride, God wasn't really happy with that. And so he scattered them and had them uh, take on different languages. But see, God really wanted to reach down with the Holy Spirit. We see this in Pentecost and empower the church to spread not their own name, but God's name, right? Uh, And so acts of uh, unity in a diverse world, we agreed that it kind of began with some sort of humility and repentance, um, that striking up the band and, um, you know, bragging about our accomplishments over others may not be the way to create unity in the people of God in the midst of a diverse world. That people don't want to hear how wonderful and great we are as we cram it down their throat, What they'd rather see, what is it, Um, be, let's see, preach the word of God everywhere, and if necessary, use words. You've heard that before. Acts of unity in a diverse world. And here, uh, this morning, we start to look at one of those elements of healthy discipleship. Um, If you could say that healthy discipleship boils down to loving God and loving your neighbor, well, today we're going to talk about loving your neighbor and how we do that. You've probably heard the parable of the Good Samaritan uh, more times than you wish, right? We've read it here today again to talk about it because uh, in that moment, um, the Good Samaritan is motivated by what? Compassion, right? Uh, The um, 
The story goes that there was a guy headed uh, from Jericho to Jerusalem. He was going to do some work in the city. That as he got uh, into um, uh, a very tight place, robbers jumped him, beat him up, took his stuff, left him for dead. And along the way, there were a number of people who uh, were do-gooders who you'd assume, if I'm telling a story to you, that they would do the right thing. But they walked on the other side of the road. Whether it was the priest or the pastor, the teacher of law, the Sunday school teacher, it didn't matter because they made sure they walked far away from the person who was in need. Now we can have some great theological conversations about why they did that, but let's just go to the kick of the story. I mean, the kick of the story is Jesus continues to tell the story and says, and here comes the Samaritan. I mean, if we had a soundtrack uh, to this story, there would be thin, you know, violins going, right? Or maybe, better yet, it'd be kettle drums, the Samaritan. I mean, this was not a person that anyone in Jesus's company, of those who do good and do right and who are righteous, who would have cared about the Samaritan. So the Samaritan, who's a great symbol for all that is wrong with the world, does the right thing. And moved with compassion, uh, which the biblical word here is, you know, it stirred his stomach. It, it stirred his heart. Uh, the Latin pushes even further on compassion, that um, you suffer with, you suffer with. And so the Samaritan, who was um, literally the symbol of all that was wrong with the world, suffers with the person who's left for dead, bandages up his wounds, puts it on his donkey. I'm trying to think of a good example for put, puts him on his own donkey, but like, you know, um, if you only had a one-seat motorcycle, you know, and you were driving to Houston, you put him on your motorcycle because you're going to walk and he's going to ride, right? Okay, that was not the best illustration. <laughs> and when he gets to town, he puts him up in a hotel and leaves his name and credentials so that any other cost that this stranger needs, the Samaritan promises to pay. It could be said that the Good Samaritan treats the man left for dead as one of his own. I mean, the only thing that he could have done more so in treating him as family is to have taken him to his own home and cared for him himself. But he put him up in a hotel. So we're gonna assume it was a good one, Best Western, something like that, right? So the story is fascinating. And people have tried often to make a contemporization of the Good Samaritan story. I remember when I was early in ministry, um, right after 9-11, it was, uh, you would say that somebody from Al-Qaeda came along and cared for the person and did right. I don't know, on this weekend, I'm not so sure I would uh, even suffer uh, to assume that those who uh, blow themselves up for political and religious reasons would have the wherewithal uh, to care for someone who is on the side of the road. So maybe we should set that aside for today. Maybe it's, instead of thinking about the most evil person or the symbol of all that's wrong with the world and that person doing the good, maybe instead we should think about the fact 
that the Good Samaritan represents the person whom Israel had already decided was going to be a stranger. Does that make sense? Uh, the Good Samaritan was that person who intermarried with people who weren't Jewish. It was that person who settled down and mixed their faith with others. It was that person who hadn't been faithful in the midst of the Babylonian captivity, and they were all that was wrong with the fact that Israel was no longer uh, pure and appropriate and re resembled what God had called them to be, right? So the Israelites, the good Jews, said, you'll be a stranger to us. So who have we already decided is gonna be our stranger? Who have we already decided that when we see them on the side of the road in the midst of downtown Houston, we will gladly change lanes, miss our exit, and make a U-turn because we don't wanna drive next to them? Who is it that's already been decided a stranger whom we will walk across the building, use another elevator so as not to be near their cubicle? Who is that person we've already decided is a stranger. We, we know who they are. We know their name. We know why we don't like them. We know maybe even all of their patterns and routines so that we don't have to encounter them. Maybe it's the neighbor next door who plays the music too loud, doesn't pick up their newspapers, never takes out their garbage, never mows their yard. We know exactly what their weekly schedule is and know we will not come out of our garage to get into our car at any time and we'll be spotted by that stranger even though we know them so well, right? Who is the stranger that we've already decided we don't wanna spend time with? Maybe it's somebody with an arrest record. Maybe it's somebody with a mental health diagnosis. Maybe it's somebody who um, does not live on our side of the railroad tracks. You see, the story of the Good Samaritan is powerful in that as Jesus is telling it, the great reversal isn't that those who do right do good, but rather those whom you imagined were the source of all things that were wrong and you decided would always be a stranger to you they got it. They had compassion. They treated the stranger like their own. And Jesus uses them as an example. There's a passage of scripture that I think is pretty fascinating, Matthew 25. Matthew 25 talks about, um, it, it's, a, it's kind of a, it's a parable, but it's uh, kind of one of these where Jesus says, at the end of time, when all things will be judged, the king who sits on his throne will gather before him the sheep and the goats and will say to the sheep and the goats, those of you who did good to me, those of you who fed me when I was hungry, clothed me when I was naked, sheltered me when I was homeless, and cared for me when I was sick, thank you. Enter into paradise. And those who did these things, who were the sheep, they said, whoa, 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 wait a minute, Jesus, we never saw you. We never fed you when you're hungry. Jesus, the Savior, he's not hungry. And, and, and oh, King, you, you, you live in the palace. We would have never had to have given you shelter. We've never done that before. And they go on and on and on. And, and the King says, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. Enter into the joy of your reward. And then he turns to the goats and he says, you, you who never fed me when I was hungry, never cared for me when I was sick, never looked after me when I was homeless. Those of you who crossed to the other side of the road and treated me as a stranger, <laughs> you get yours. And the goat said, whoa, whoa. We never saw you once, Jesus. 
We would have taken care of you if you showed up, but we never saw you. The king says, when you didn't do it to the least of these, you didn't do it to me. So go ahead and get what you deserve. I think what's interesting here is if you only had this passage of scripture, say, say you had the, the Old Testament, the life, death, resurrection of Jesus, and then this. You didn't have Paul, you didn't have first and second Peter, first and second and third John, no Titus, no Philemon, none of that stuff. Just this little bit to tell you how to live a healthy, discipled life. Do it unto the least of these. It's a pretty powerful motivation that if all of salvation is stacked up in the fact that you could care for the least of these, what an interesting world we would live in. So the Good Samaritan cared for the least of these. The question is, do we care for the least of these? Have we already decided that uh, certain people in the world are not worth caring for? Maybe those certain people in the world might be those who would uh, vote for Bernie Sanders or Donald Trump. Take your pick. Maybe those people who aren't worth caring for are, um, you know, uh, your ex-wife or your first husband, your son-in-law, your mother-in-law. You choose. I'm not telling. Don't laugh out loud. No one will know. Or maybe you've already chosen that the people who don't need to be cared for are the anonymous people on Twitter that threaten African-American kids at Brazoswood. Or, or maybe the people who don't need to be cared for are the people who would... Um, work uh, coordinated attacks in a city of love and beauty uh, to make people feel threatened and terrified. It's a fascinating story to realize that God doesn't just want us to love God, but God wants us to love our neighbor. And acts of compassion could be described as helping any neighbor, any need, anywhere. It's really hard to find an example of helping our neighbor, any neighbor, any need, anywhere. But I think I stumbled across it this weekend, not really sure where I was going to find my last closing illustration. Where will I find a place where anyone would care for anyone in the midst of any moment of crisis? And Darn if Twitter didn't deliver. In the midst of the Paris attacks, folk who had locked doors and safe spaces tweeted the French word hashtag for open door. They tweeted this in a way to let others know that there was a safe place. Um, Gabby uh, tweeted open door if you need a place to stay tonight in the 18th we can host a few people, clean bedding, tea, and internet if you need it. Simon tweeted, anyone, come to the Rue Keller. I can get the door open if you need it. And there are lots of cops around here. Then lastly, from one gentleman from Chattanooga, my friends are safe in a random woman's home. She's making them dinner and preparing beds we are blessed. And then the hashtag, open door. 
What do we do in a world of diversity? So diverse that some would um, uh, take our lives for their cause. What do we do in a a world that's so diverse that threat and terror rule over love and care? What do we do in a diverse world where you really want to say, maybe a wall could help? You know, maybe a little more military spending could help. Maybe a little more of deciding us and them could help. I think we go back to the basics of healthy discipleship. We decide that, you know, Jesus said, love your neighbor and pray for those who persecute you. And John Wesley said, uh, do no harm, do good, and stay in love with God. And Twitter users said, I have an open door. Come and be safe. Compassion could be decided, described as offering a cold cup of water to anyone who's in need regardless of zip code, ethnicity, or class, regardless of national origin, regardless of politics or faith or party affiliation. What is it like to do acts of faith in a diverse world? It means being willing to care for the least, the last, and the lost, even if you don't expect that it's a day to care. Acts of compassion may be exactly what our diverse and terrifying world is in need of. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. And now as a gathered people, let us go to God in prayer. It is the practice of this congregation that as we pray, we open together, and then we leave a space of silence where people can name aloud the joys and the concerns of their hearts. We pray this day to you, O God, for those who are still living in fear or uncertainty. We lift to you all who have been touched by recent tragedy, saying, Lord, hear our prayer. Lord, for all that we have said and all that we carry unsaid on our heart, we ask that you indeed do hear our prayers, that you send your spirit that you form in us the confidence to know that you will answer, even if we pray just as simply as Christ taught us when he said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, Chapelwood United Methodist Church exists to help ourselves and others take our next step in our faith journey with Christ. And that next step, um, maybe for you, uh, coming this afternoon at 3.30 for Hub Charge Conference, we'll have uh, Methodists throughout the Brazosport and Angleton area meeting here in this place with our district superintendent to do some um, institutional reporting, but also to worship together and to make some plans for ministry together. Uh, It'd be a great opportunity for you to see um, what the church is about and where we're headed. Uh, Also, um, I wonder uh, how that next step is going to happen because of the random random acts of kindness card that you have. I have to tell you that even as being such an extrovert as I am, I love that card. 
because it explains a lot, right? I don't have to talk too much to the drive-through attendant. I just need to take a 20, put the card with it, and say, for the car behind me. And I've just done a witness. I've just shared an act of compassion. I've just mentioned Jesus in a conversation with someone else who might need to hear that Jesus' name doesn't have to be shouted or put on a placard uh, or yelled as a way of judgment and shame, but it could be a moment to care for others. I hope that you'll be taking that moment this week because I'd love to hear your story next Sunday about what you did as you gave your random act of kindness card away. Uh, lastly, if today's the day that you'd like to lo- join this church, we'd love to have you. You can come down during the uh, closing song, which is the summons in the faith we sing. And uh, David Hill's going to come and lead us in that. And I look forward uh, to the day when you'll be joining the congregation. I want to remind you that Ruth Lindvite is here uh, in the blue shirt representing Stephen Ministry. If you'd like somebody to pray for you uh, or with you or to arrange care for you or somebody you love, Ruth is ready to do that today. Also remember that the brown door back there uh, is our prayer chapel. We'd love for you to take advantage of it uh, throughout the week. And I think those are all the uh, moments for the moment. Why don't you uh, grab a hand next to you for a closing benediction? Almighty God, we give thanks that when in need, you showed up and cared for us. Help us to care for others to live simply so that others might simply live and to do random acts of kindness so that others might hear your name in loving and caring ways, even if you're a stranger to them. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.